minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfume. Hello, Utah Street. Five, four, three, two, one. It's a hot and steamy one today in the District of Columbia, Columbia, excuse me, just like their Washington Nationals are one of the hottest teams in baseball. Welcome into the Mass and All Access podcast, everybody. Bobby Blanco coming at you live from my home in Washington, D.C. Hopefully you are tuning in and joining us live on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter on the Mass and Nationals accounts, and you're commenting along throughout the show. We love hearing you guys talk and join the conversation and if not, hopefully you're checking us out after the fact on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcast, and or SoundCloud. Let me bring in my co-host, Amy Jennings, who joins me via Zoom from the safety of her own home. And Amy, I mean, the Nationals are super hot, but in the meantime, while besides watching them play every night, how are you trying to beat this heat wave that's hitting the country? I actually was in uh, Tampa this weekend. Whoa. Visiting, yeah, visiting family. I have family down there. My 99-year-old great nan lives down there. So it was really good to see all of them. And um, so I, I was down in the heat too. So it's actually, it actually was like a little bit cooler down there than it is up here right now because this is very, very hot. Um, Bobby, how are you beating the heat? Oh, you have a trip coming up too. Where are you going? Yeah, I, I, well, I was just at the beach uh, this past weekend. My grandmother also does not live in the area. She actually lives in Rehoboth. Um, and um, then this I just came back to do the show because I cannot do the show from there because I'm, one, too distracted by being at the beach, and two, her internet isn't as fast as I have at home, so wouldn't be a pleasant viewing for uh, experience for all our viewers out there because it would be kind of lag a little bit. Um, <laughs> and then I'm heading right back uh, tomorrow evening, actually, tomorrow late tomorrow afternoon. i got to help out the, the Orioles boys with their podcast, and then I'm going to head straight back um, and do a couple social shifts while watching the games down there since we're still working from home and uh, take a couple days off, maybe relax and beat the heat by jumping into the ocean every now and then. Be yeah, no nice. better place to be than the beach right now. I, I tell you what, though, it's humid, though. I can deal with the hot, the hotness, you know, it being like 90 degrees plus. But when it's like 90 percent plus humidity, that's when I, I, I get super uncomfortable. It's just like sticky and swampy. It's I can't deal with it. I mean, so hopefully the humidity gets out of here. We're supposed to get a lot of rain this weekend. Uh, my family is always like a big 4th of July weekend fam, uh, group, so uh, hopefully we'll, the rain will clear out. We'll be able to still see some fireworks and have some outdoor celebration for the 4th this weekend. Uh, but hopefully it comes sooner rather than later and kind of takes that humidity with it because I can deal with the heat. It's the humidity I can't deal with. Right, and it's tough. The Nationals are home this this weekend as well, so hopefully that weather uh, holds up for them. Yeah, and, and you know what? Just to kind of tie it into like all of the conversations that have been going around baseball recently. I mean, this is we talked about the sticky stuff and the substance check what a week ago, uh, Amy, and with all that stuff with Max Scherzer. I mean, this is what we're talking about. You know, with the humidity and how hot it is, uh, Max Scherzer, other pitchers are just going to have trouble gripping the ball. So it'll be super interesting how how the pitchers and opposing pitchers handle the baseball up this upcoming week while the Nationals are home and this heat wave is hitting not just the D.C. area but the entire country. Uh, we've seen record highs on the West Coast, I know, and the Pacific Northwest too, which is pretty crazy. Um, so it'll be interesting to keep an eye on with all these checks and and you know pitchers being extra cautious about what substances they use to grip the ball with this heat wave and, and the humidity. Uh, we might see some balls fly out of their hands, um, and hopefully no one gets hurt from all that. 
Yeah, it will be interesting to see. And we're going to see Scherzer on the mound again this weekend against the Dodgers. So we might get another show uh, from Max Scherzer, but it'll be interesting to see. Yeah. Well, the sh- speaking of show, I mean, the Nationals are putting on a fantastic show throughout the course of this second half of June. They've got to be one of the hottest, if not the hottest team in baseball since June 12th. Uh, they've won, I think it's 14 out of their last 19, 12 out of their last 15 you know, obviously huge sweeps against the Pirates, a two-game sweep against the Phillies. They won three or four against the Mets a couple weekends ago. They just split with the Marlins down in Miami. They win this makeup game on Monday in, in pretty dramatic fashion um, against the Mets. Uh, now we're facing a daunting stretch, Amy, and we've kind of been teeing this up for a couple of weeks now because we talked about how the Nationals, in order to get back into this thing, needed to take care of business against some inferior opponents, which they have. And now that has set them up pretty nicely to face some of the best of the best in baseball right now uh, with this last, I think it's like 13 games before the All-Star break. This homestand, you mentioned the Dodgers this weekend. They have two games against the Rays starting tonight and then concluding tomorrow. Then they go on the West Coast and play the uh, the Padres and the Giants again. Uh, what kind of what kind of you what are you making of this trip, or what are you looking to look for? What are you looking for in the next couple of weeks as the Nationals enter the All Star break with these tough opponents coming up? Well, it's definitely going to be tough. I mean, you play the Rays, who are game back in the AL East, and then you you face the Giants, Padres, and Dodgers, the top three teams in the National League. So it's definitely not going to be easy. But I think it's a good time for the Nationals to hit this hard stretch of their schedule uh, because they've been so hot. They're heading into the All-Star break hot. It would have been a little bit difficult uh, taking that week off and then coming back and having this really, really tough stretch of their schedule. When they come back, um, they have one or two tougher seasons Series, and then the rest are all winnable games. Obviously, any game is winnable, but there's, their schedule will ease up after that. So I'm glad that they're hitting that here when when they're hot. I mean, this, there's no better time to, to, to face these teams. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, we've talked about, you know, we, we went through the past couple of weeks, you know, right? Just mentioned the Phillies and the Pirates and, and you know, lesser teams. Not not to take too much away from the Nationals, though, because they did face the Giants earlier this month. Uh, They won two out of four. They split with them. They split a two-game series in Tampa Bay against the Rays. So it hasn't all been cupcakes and and teams that, you know, the Nationals should beat up on. They won three out of four against the division-leading Mets back at home a couple weeks ago. Uh, So it hasn't been a super easy ride. They definitely had to play up to the level of their competition, but they've also pretty handily beat the teams they're supposed to beat. You obviously would have liked to escape with three wins out of the four games in Miami. But considering where they've where they've been, the grand scheme of things, a split isn't the worst thing in the world. They get that game back by beating the Mets on a makeup game. You know, it's going to be a real interesting kind of challenge that the Nationals are going to be facing over the next couple of weeks because, you know, you've got obviously two games against the Rays, right? I mean, those are two games uh, against a team not in your league. You only face them four times a season after that. You don't have to worry about them. But then you're going up against the three of the best teams in the National League in the Dodgers, Giants, and Padres. And the other interesting thing is, Amy, like, you know, you're kind of maybe like measuring up yourself against these these really good teams. But the Nationals, the way that the, those three teams have been playing this year, the Nationals probably aren't fighting for a wild card spot this season, right? I mean, the two wild card spots in the National League are going to probably come from that National League West division. So the Nationals need to get back in their own division race, which they have done. They're only three games back of the Mets right now. Um, I think the Mets are opening up a series against uh, the Braves this week uh, or another division opponent. So that's another good help for the Nationals. Uh, But, you know, 
it's not like the Nationals need, need to win these games coming up against L.A. or San Diego or San Francisco to catch them in the wild card spot because, I mean, be, to be realistic, they probably won't catch them. Uh, it's more likely that they won't catch them in that situation. You're going to have to win your own division to get into October. Uh, so, But it could be helpful if you can knock off some of the best teams in your league um, while the other teams in your division are kind of duking it out uh, leading up to the All-Star break. Right. It's definitely look, looking like they're going to have to win the division uh, uh, to make it into the postseason. But right now, they're only three games back. And technically, you would look at this stretch in the schedule. I mean, you want to win any time, but you would look at the stretch and say, oh, they're not playing any teams in their division. Uh, maybe this lightens up a little bit for them. But all of these matter. All of these games matter, especially for the Nationals, who are just 500. I mean, they were nine games back and they hit this really hot stretch. And you'd look at their record and think that it would be a whole lot better than it is. But they're just 500. Uh, they're playing like a team that should be over 500 but they're just there three games back in the division so this stretch is especially important just for that they're not games in their division but any win you can get matters right now yeah absolutely and and like i said i mean you know you i think i, I actually i have it right here let me double check but i'm pretty sure the the rest of the division is playing each other this week yeah new york is going to atlanta and uh the phillies are hosting the marlins so again you're looking at teams that are the Nationals are either trying to catch or trying to hold off, and they're trying. They're beating up on each other. Now, the Nationals have a, obviously a very daunting task in facing Tampa Bay. I think Tampa Bay's the leading uh, American League wild card spot right now. Uh, and then, of course, we just talked about uh, San Francisco, LA, and uh, the Dodge and the uh, San Diego up in the in the West in the National League. But you know, they don't have to face any division opponents right now. I don't think they face another division opponent until late July. So you got a bunch of teams that. Could be a little easier to, to play. I mean, you've got the Padres again right out of the all-star break, but then you've got the Marlins and the Orioles, the Phillies for four games, and then the Cubs who have been kind of hanging around there. I mean, Milwaukee's kind of has a strong, firm grip on the National League Central. The Phillies again. So you're not playing your division opponents again until late July, uh, at, well after the all-star break. So this is a time where you're not going to be facing guys within your own division. You can face teams that you're only going to see a handful of times a season. And you're really, and you're gonna see the best of the best. You see the uh, Padres twice within a, a week. You know, you talk about LA, talk about San Francisco. Those two season series comes to a close over the next couple of weeks. I know going out West Coast is a very tough task in and of itself. Not to mention you're facing these tough teams. Um, but we're gonna see what the Nationals are made of. And I think a lot of the players are excited at this opportunity. I know a lot of fans are as well because they fought really hard and did a really good job to get themselves back into the situation. You know, we could be talking about this being just, you know, a disaster going into this final two weeks of the of the first half of the regular season being, you know, they're still in last place. They barely beat the Marlins. They can't beat the Mets or the Phillies. They're going to get destroyed by these three teams. And yet here we are. They've situated themselves where three games back, they're playing some of their best baseball all season long, and they're going to go against the best. Now we're going to figure out if they're actually contenders or maybe maybe just pretenders. Hopefully not, though. Right. It's certainly a test. You're going to find out if this was is a good team that just had a really bad start or if they just hit a hot streak and now things are going to fall off. But it makes you wonder the way they played the last two weeks, if they would have had any sort of start to the season where they could be. I mean, the shape that this division is in. I mean, I imagine the Braves have to come alive at some point. Right. But they're right in it with the Mets. I mean, when you saw them play taking four out of five games over these this this last month, uh, they're right there in it. So it kind of makes you 
you wonder if they had any sort of start to the season where they could be. Um, but all that matters, I guess, is that they're turning it around now. But what what is it about this team that they just can't get off to a good start? I don't know what it is, but it's year in and year out. It's crazy. It is crazy. And it's, it's, it's kind of annoying, too. I mean, not just as a fan standpoint, but like from a reporter standpoint, because we have to talk about it every single year. It's the same storyline. It's nothing new or interesting, right? Um, and, and we kind of hear the whole thing throughout the course of spring training being like, this year will be different. We're, we're focused on coming out hot. I know the COVID issue coming out to start the season. That's why they had to play the Mets yesterday to begin with. But at some point, that can't be an excuse. At some point, you've got to be able to play day in and day out. You shouldn't be getting hot this late into June. You should be already playing some of your best baseball at least before Memorial Day, right? We we were saying that a month ago, and they weren't doing it. And now we're finally catching some uh, uh, this team on fire. And, and that's and that's a good thing. I mean, you know, it's, it's good that it can, Better late than never, right, I suppose. We saw that in 2019. Maybe something similar is happening right now in 2021. That's that's really hard to do. But I, I think that, you know, if the Nationals just didn't do this in the first place, you know, we, they wouldn't have to be like, you know, we, were not, we wouldn't be talking about a four-game series in Miami being a huge series that they need to win three out of four, you know? We'd be saying, oh, well, let's just get through Miami and then see how they match up against the Dodgers and the Padres and the Giants the week after. But they didn't give themselves that luxury, and that's kind of frustrating. I know it's frustrating for them as well. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's it seems like every single year for the past, gosh, three years now, three or four years, it's just been a slow start, slugging through, uh, dragging your feet through April and May and then finally turning around once the weather... Maybe they're just a warm-weather team, right, Amy? Maybe they just need the weather to get warmer. The ball starts flying out of the yard a little bit more. Pitchers start heating up. They rack up some more innings. They feel more comfortable, can get deeper into games. Um, but, yeah, no, it's definitely a frustrating part. Hopefully and thankfully, maybe that part for the season is behind us indefinitely and we don't have to worry about it and this is the team we're going to see from here on out because that'll make for some very exciting baseball heading into the second half right and i mean the good news is a good sign is everything that we talked about for the first two months of the season that they were doing wrong they're doing right now um especially when it comes to this offense i mean we were talking about Oh, all they are doing is hitting singles. They can't hit with runners in scoring position over and over again. And now, look, everybody seems to be hitting the ball out of the park, and they're they're really capitalizing on timely hitting, which is going to be super important as they head into these next few series because they're going to have to – I mean, they're not going to be able to tee off on some of these these this better pitching like they have been able to over the last few weeks. Um, so it's going to matter. They capitalize on their opportunities when they have runners in scoring position. I mean, they were doing that very well during that series in Miami. It kind of fell off a little bit, but hopefully they can get that going again. And then hitting early. I mean, look at last night. Kyle Schwarber hit that home run in the first inning against better pitching. That's kind of what you have to do, get to them early um, before they settle in because then it's going to be a little bit more difficult. So – they started to hit early better. They started to hit with runners in scoring position better. That's what's going to be key um, to keep this offensive streak going over these next few series. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the the players, of course, were asked about this. It's not lost on them that, you know, they have set themselves up nicely for a great opportunity once again to kind of see how they match up with some of the best teams in baseball in their own league um, uh, uh, with coming up against the, the Padres, the Giants, and, and the Dodgers. Uh, and, you know, they're excited. Like I said, they were excited to, to – 
to see what they can do against these teams. But they're also, you know, taking the approach where, like, we just got to take care of our own business. We can't worry about who's on the other dugout, who's on the opposite side of the field. We need to take care of our own business. We're playing some of our best ball right now. Uh, and, and if we continue to do that, we can pretty much beat anyone. And, uh, of course, it was guys like Max, Trey Turner, and, of course, David Martinez talking about that on Sunday after their series uh, closing win over the Marlins, looking ahead to the Mets to the two games against the Rays, and then, of course, the long stretch against NL West teams. So let's take a listen to what Davey, Max, and Trey had to say about this daunting schedule that's facing them and how excited they are to face some, uh, these teams upcoming in the next couple of weeks. Hey, look, you know, I, what, I'll tell you what I believe. I believe every team you play at any, any given day is tough. I mean, we play, we face some pretty good pitching. This guy, did not, the guy today was really good coming into to today. So um, we just got to focus on, on on one game at a time and come out tomorrow and play with play with the same intensity we've been playing um, and do do what we do best. You know, get good pitching, uh, jump on jump on teams early and uh, and hold the lead. If we could do that, you know, I think we could play with anybody. Yeah, I mean, this is what you play for. You want to play the best teams in, in the game. Uh, like you said, we have a stretch here where we're playing a bunch of you know really good teams across the league. Uh, we got to take care of business. You know, this is this is what you find out about yourself uh, when you start facing the best. And so, uh, you know, we're playing good baseball right now. So hopefully when we see these teams, uh, we can win a few series and, uh, you know, keep this momentum going. I mean, I don't know. I, I think, you know, we got beat the last two days by by Miami. And if you want to, you know, call them a last place team, then by all means. But they're they're a good ball club. So um, they got good pitching. They can hit. And, um, you know, they were tough, tough series for us. So, um you know, I think everybody's tough. Everybody's, um, you know, presents their own challenges. We've got to keep doing what we're doing and keep, you know, focusing on each day and, and who are, who's in front of us. And uh, I think if we do that, we'll, uh, we'll be all right. Thanks, man. Trey, along those lines, maybe beyond, like, regardless of who you're playing, the stretch of, you know, all these games in a row leading into the All-Star break, you guys have made up some ground over the last few weeks, but you're still – trying to get over that hump of that 500 mark. Is it, is it hard not to look at the bigger picture of where you want to be at the end of all that and do the want to know everyday thing? Uh, or, or are you guys still good at just focusing on just trying to win today and whatever the record is at the end of these two weeks will, will take care of itself? I, I don't know. I, I think everybody looks at it, you know, how they want to look at it. But, um, you know, for me, you can only, you can only win one game at a time. You can't win two or three in one day. So unless you got a doubleheader, I guess, but um you know, it's like the old, you know, you can't get, you know, all the runs back with one swing. You got to, you got to get a, you know, a rally or you got to, you know, put the, put it bats together. So we've been doing that um, in the sense of winning ball games, and um, we just got to keep doing what we're doing. Don't, don't try to do more or less. Um, go out there, compete, whoever's in front of us, um, you know, give it our all and move on to the next day. So, you know, today we won and you know, tomorrow I think we have the Mets, I believe. Um, and we got to do it all over again tomorrow. So, um, you know, whoever we're playing, um, it is what it is, but we gotta, we gotta focus on us. And I think, you know, when we play our best, that's what we do. We just, you know, we, we play defense, we hit, uh, get the timely hitting and, and we pitch. So, um, we just got to keep doing those three things. And, um, you know, I don't think it'll matter who we play if we, if we take care of business. A lot of similar themes right there from the guys. I've cut, take it one day at a time. Go one and zero every single day. Uh, just do our job, stuff like that. But Amy, you kind of alluded to it earlier. Uh, what are you looking for? But they're doing everything pretty well right now, from hitting, clutch hitting, to defense, to bullpen. 
uh, to starting pitching. They're doing pretty much everything right right now. But what do you think are the major keys over the next couple of weeks to ensure the Nationals, uh, you know, at least break even, if not maybe finish a little bit above 500 over the course of these next two weeks against some tougher opponents? Right. I mean, keeping those bats going is probably the most important um, and hitting early like they have been able to do. Obviously, Kyle Schwarber's on fire. It seems like everybody else is on fire right now, but that's going to be key in timely hitting, capitalizing on those opportunities because they might be few and far between against some of these better um better pitchers plus that takes a ton of pressure off of the pitching staff i mean this is a pitching staff that just lost eric fetty obviously there's some of their best relievers in the bullpen and kyle finnegan and hudson that are on the il right now so the more runs they score that takes a whole lot of pressure off their pitching staff and of course davy martinez because i think throughout this next stretch um while these guys are hurt it's bullpen management is going to come in key i mean last night look you have paulo Espino through five scoreless innings only took what 67 pitches to do it uh, and then your bullpen comes in and gives up four runs so it's going to be really difficult to manage but i think bullpen, bullpen management pitching management all around is probably going to be be key uh, also through this next stretch how about you bobby what do you think i i definitely agree with the offense but i'll go the pitching uh side and i'll start with the starters uh because this team builds uh, their strength around their starting pitching, and they always rely on those guys. And I think if the starting pitching can keep the opposing team at bay, we heard the guys talk about it a little bit on Sunday with Max Scherzer. If you give him a little bit of a lead, then you can entrust him to go out and do what he's doing um, and, and you know do his normal thing, and they feel pretty confident that they can win. So I guess that kind of does relate back to what you were saying about the offense grabbing early leads, but this team revolves itself around the starting pitching. It trusts the starting pitching staff. Uh, they're holding their own for the most part. You know, John Lester gets beat up on Friday night in Miami. Steven Strasburg still hasn't pitched in who knows how long at this point. It's starting to lose track. Patrick Corbin has looked a lot better, even though he ran into some trouble on Saturday, but turned in a pretty decent outing considering uh, Joe Ross is up and down. You mentioned losing Eric Fetty. Austin Voth has been spectacular when he's asked to make a start. Paulo Espino has been great when he's been asked to make a start. They're getting another spot to start. Uh, emergency from Jeffy Rodriguez. So if this starting pitcher kind of group holds together, right? And if they can do what they're being asked to do on any given basis, I think they give themselves a really good chance. And you're looking at some really good offenses in LA and San Francisco, of course, uh, uh, <laughs> Slam Diego over there uh, with <laughs> Tatis Jr. and Machado uh, and the like. So if this starting pitching staff can keep them in the game, get deeper in the game, I think that's going to be huge. And also look at the fact that they don't have an off day for the rest of the first half. They don't have an off day until the All-Star break. And so in order to preserve that bullpen that also has a lot of injuries right now, the Nationals can't afford another start like John Lester gave them on, on Friday. You know, you can't go too short anymore because these guys need a break. And David Martinez is going to need them to be fresh, as, as fresh as possible over the course of these next couple of weeks because you're facing some tough offenses. Those There are going to be a lot of late high leverage innings in these games that you're going to need to trust Brad Hand, Tanner Rainey. Uh, if Kyle Finnegan is able to come back before the break, hopefully he can get some clutch outs for them. But these guys are going to need to be as fresh as possible coming into it, and that goes back to the starting pitching. I think if the starting pitching can do their job on a, on a nightly basis over the next 13 days or so, I think they're going to be in good shape and they'll be able to pull off some some big wins over uh, some tougher opponents. Right, and going deep into games is going to be so key because they need to take some pressure off this bullpen. And obviously, on the flip side, scoring more runs, runs can only help. But it was the starting pitching that when they hit that 
their best week and a half of the season, I guess, at like June 11th. There for that week and a half, their t- their the ERA, their ERA was over two, uh, under two. Mm-hmm. So one of the best in the majors. So it was the starting pitching that held them right in there. And we were talking about those starts out of Jeffrey Rodriguez, Paulo Espino, those guys stepping up. Um, now they kind of need their top three guys to do the same. Obviously, Max Scherzer has done his job, but Patrick Corbin needs to do it every time every time out john lester needs to make a comeback here start here his next start um blah, 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 bobby we can't talk today um but yeah that's going to be key starting pitching is really important obviously with this team more than any other yeah uh, and definitely and again to kind of tie back both of our points right there you know we each kind of took an offensive and defensive side of it you know i think the offense has come around, right? We're seeing a lot of production from the offense. And, of course, I'm talking about Kyle Schwarber. Uh, we touched on him briefly last week. I don't think we gave him enough justice in terms of how much we talked about what he's been doing, which is kind of a good thing because he's done even more since then. So now we can kind of fully put it all into perspective and just give you the latest numbers because Kyle Schwarber is on an absolute tear that's not that's the least surprising news of the day. Uh, you know, it seems like every time he steps up to the plate, he's a threat to hit a home run. 15 in his last 17, uh, setting a bunch of re- records, becoming the first in major league history to do this, to do that. Um, what he's done at the top of the lineup has been one, obviously incredible and amazing to watch, but two, has taken a lot of pressure off the other guys in that lineup. I'm talking Trey Turner, Juan Soto, and Josh Bell. Trey Turner has hit a couple of home runs in back-to-back days. That's a good sign. We've seen Josh Bell go deep a long time, but Juan Soto not being able to hit a home run, uh, hit only a couple of deep doubles, not getting the ball off the ground. I think what Kyle Schwarber has been able to do is taking a lot of pressure off Juan Soto and is giving him the time to maybe figure it out uh, as we head into the break because right now Kyle's, of course, carrying this offense. Right. I mean, that certainly hides some issues for Juan Soto for the time being. If this was the Nationals lineup last year, they'd really be in trouble because we talked so much. Trey Turner, Juan Soto, that's about all they have. So to be able to have Kyle Schorber at the top of the lineup doing that uh, definitely kind of hides some of Juan Soto's issues right now. But I mean, 15 home runs in 17 games, tying Sammy Sosa and Barry Bonds. He's just been absolutely incredible. And I guess all he needed was to be moved into that leadoff spot and things just took off I, I don't know what it is but they just took off yeah I mean he, over this last 17 remember but entering this stretch of, of now 17 games he was only hitting 218 with nine homers and 26 RBIs now he's near the top of the leaderboard in terms of home runs he's like right there with Tatis Jr. and Acuna in the National League he might have even already passed Acuna I'm not exactly sure um, he's the first major league baseball player in history to homer 11 times out of the leadoff spot over the span of 13 games he actually hit it, did it 12 times over the span of 13 games he of course broke Bryce Harper's Nationals record for the most home runs hit in a single month and he's done all of them all 15 since June 12th so he didn't even do it for the first half of the month um, he's just doing over the past couple of weeks which is incredible uh, five multi-home run games only the fourth player in Major League Baseball history to have five multi-homer games in a single calendar month uh, joining some popular names right there uh, and so he's just on an absolute tear he's the second player in Major League Baseball history to hit 11 homers in a nine game stretch the only other player to do that was Frank Howard who did 1968 with the Washington Senators uh, you mentioned the 15 homers and 17 games I mean, it's been unbelievable right now. And, and Kyle's done. I, I'm running out of things to say about him. Um, I'm running out of tweet ideas when I do Mass and Nationals <laughs> coverage. I'm running out of 
video caption ideas for his press conferences because it's kind of the same story. I mean, he just gets up there and crushes a ball. It's 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 amazing. And I don't know how much more we can say about the guy, but we wanted to get all those stats out there because it is pretty historical what he's been able to do. Yeah, I'll be curious to see if any of these teams walk him. I mean, it's yeah. kind of a tough call because then you have Trey Turner and Juan Soto next up. But I feel like at some point you can't just let him let him stand up there uh, every single time up or you're, he, he's going to do damage. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's a great point. And uh, Davey has kind of addressed this as well. And he's like, that's kind of the reason he's staying in the leadoff spot right now. It's because opposing managers, you can't really walk. I mean, you could, but then you're that's an automatic runner to start the right. game uh, with Trey Turner coming up, who's having an all-star caliber season. I'm so sure he's not an all-star finalist in the National League, but whatever. Um, and then you got Juan Soto and Josh Bell or Ryan Zimmerman, who we just saw last night, still just shows up to the ballpark and mashes baseballs. That's all he does. Um, so it, it's him being in the leadoff spot is kind of the reason that he's not getting walked. I, I totally agree. I would expect at some point, maybe not the first at-bat of the game, uh, because that's a little bit much, but like you know how everyone <laughs> says, once you – once after the first inning, spots in the order don't really matter. So the next time he comes up, maybe he'll get a you know um, a, a, an intentional walk. If he's not starting an inning, maybe he'll get start getting walked a little bit more. Uh, but yeah, I, I thought that too. I mean, it's like at some point you got to stop pitching to him, right? I mean, he's just he's just crushing the ball. He's seeing it like a balloon and hitting it out of the park every single time, like four hundred and fifty plus feet. Um, it's pretty crazy. The only other thing, too, Amy, is that, while, yes, leadoff homers are fantastic. They're fun. They're great. Uh, they get the team off to an early lead, which David Martinez has been asking for all season long. The only problem is, though, there's no one on base when you hit a leadoff home run, right? So it's only one run shots. And we've heard Mike Max Scherzer talk about how he doesn't really care about the one run home run, the solo home run. He would rather hear uh, see two runners and three run home runs. Um, but I will, I will say that I think the leadoff home run does give a jolt to this Nationals offense and, like I said, does take off some pressure from guys like Juan Soto. Right, and then later in games, that's when the bottom of your lineup matters, and obviously they're going to need more production all around uh, so that when Kyle Schwarber is getting up again, um, it, it's not necessarily just, just a solo shot. Yeah, uh, I mean, you look in the numbers right now since June 12th. He's hitting 354, 15 home runs, 26 RBIs. His uh, 1457 OPS in just 17 games. Very impressive, of course. Um, uh, you know, I, I think I saw somewhere too that his like expected uh, batting average is like only like 254 over these couple of games, but he's hitting basically 100 points better because of all the home runs. Uh, you know, I, I think it's like he's got 26 hits and 15 of them are home runs. It, it's, it's just a, just ridiculous stuff that he's been able to do at the plate um, and becoming such a threat all the time. Uh, di- he did talk to the media. Uh, I mean, like he always does where, you know, he's the star of the, of the team right now and he's going to have to talk. Uh, and I kind of feel bad for him too. Well, maybe on both sides. I feel bad for reporters who have to keep figuring out new ways to ask him the same question, but he's also getting asked pretty much the same question after every single uh, game uh, when he hits a home run. It's just like, what are you What are you doing? What are you feeling out the play? How are you doing this? And he's, I, I love his answers because he's like, there's no real logical explanation. It's just me trying to put the bat on the barrel and it's going out. Um, I'm not missing pitches. Um, and he also gives his teammates a lot of credit for what he's been able to do. So let's take a listen to Kyle Schwarber. This was after last night's game. Of course, another multi-home run game, which we've seen him grow accustomed to over the past couple of weeks. Just talking about what he's seeing at the plate and how he's sparking this Nationals offense. 
Yeah, I mean, being able to start the the bottom of the first off there with a run, and then Trey obviously found me right, right behind me with another uh, home run there. Um, I think this allows the the starter to settle in a little bit, and uh, just go out there and attack the zone. I thought Paulo did. I mean, Paulo was fantastic. I mean, the, the way that he went out there and um, you know pitched his butt off and. Uh, Open came in there, Brad doing his thing. But, uh, you know, yeah, not going up there trying to hit home runs. And uh, But whenever you can start the game off there uh, with a run and then add one later, uh, it's definitely a good feeling. And, uh, you know, it's – you know, I, I wouldn't say that, uh, you know, I haven't felt locked in before, but, you know, the home run – the home runs, sure. Uh, you know, that's definitely been a little surprise. But, uh, you know, this one keeps doing the consistent work day in, day out. What's kind of been the difference for you with 15 homers in the last 17 games? What's kind of been clicking for you at the plate? Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing is just not missing the pitch, you know, not fouling it off or, um, you know, taking it. You know, that's kind of the biggest thing is that, you know, whenever I am, you know, swinging at the pitch I want to swing at, that it's catching some barrel and, um, you know, it, it's finding its way uh, in the grass or somewhere else. Mark Zuckerman, MassInSports.com. What's the vibe like right now for you guys when you do things like the way that you're doing it? You're not just winning games with the the way you're winning them like this. Yeah, I mean, this is, I mean, this this team is is phenomenal. Just the 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 character and the mindset and the day in and day out work and uh, attitudes that we all have. Um, I mean, it's it's been it's been really fun. You know, we always say winning's fun, but, uh, you know, it, it's definitely been a good time and, you know, we've never, uh, I don't think we ever doubted ourselves. That was kind of the biggest thing is that, you know, that we just knew that if we keep rolling that, uh, keep going out there and keep grinding and keep putting in the consistent work, that good things are, are, are going to happen and they're good things are happening right now. And, uh, that's great. And, uh, you know, that the, the biggest thing is that, uh, I know that this team's always going to be prepared to uh, put their best foot forward, and uh, we're going to have to take the end result at the end of the day, win or loss. Oh, the fact that Kyle just says, like, hey, you know, he goes out of his way to mention his teammates right there. He says, you know, we're a good team. Paulo pitched great last night. Zimmerman's hitting a three-run home run. That helps. It's not just me doing this because while he's getting all the attention, it, 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 he's right. It's not just him doing it. I mean, he's doing a lot of it, but he's getting a lot of help too, and, and it's a team effort. And it's, it's because of the team, not because of Kyle Schwarber, that they're right now in second place in the, in the division. Right, and he's helping Mike Rizzo look like a really <laughs> smart guy right now. I mean, there was a little bit there where we were like, maybe they just patch these holes with a bunch of older guys, and it's really not looking too great. And now Mike Rizzo's looking like a genius, one-year deal, and it's hard to imagine where this team would be without Kyle Schwarber. Yeah, oh, I mean, it would be night and day. I mean, we would be talking about – I think we would be talking probably about a full, full-on full sale at the, at the trade deadline, right? I mean, there's no – I mean – the Nationals, I think, are over those 17 games. I think they've won like 12 or 13 of them. And so if it's the opposite, you know, cons- not saying that they won all those games because of Kyle Schwarber, but he is a huge factor in them, obviously. Um, and without him, I-, I think that that's a much lower winning percentage, if not completely flipped around into a pretty terrible losing percentage. Um, so it- it's kind of scary to think about where he would be without him. And not to mention, like, 
you know, Josh Bell has been turning around. We talked about him a little bit last week, how he's turned around his season, hitting much better since the beginning of or the middle of May on a more consistent basis. We talked about Zimmerman uh, coming off the bench, embracing his role and really excelling at it. He's being phenomenal as a backup first baseman and coming off the bench as a pinch hitter. Starling Castro and Josh Harrison have played their roles pretty spectacular spectacularly uh, Trey Turner has been great at, uh, at shortstop, but really just waiting for Juan Soto to catch fire. Um, and, and now this team is off and running and, and looking to win the division. I don't think Jan Gomes gets enough attention for what he's been doing this season behind the plate and at the plate. Alex Avila has proven to be a great backup catcher signing as well. Max Scherzer had a lot of glowing things to say about him the other day. Uh, so we're finally seeing this team come together and it's because Schwarber is just hitting at a historic pace. Right. And it's everything we want to see. I mean, we talked about, I mean, last night was a good example of Ryan Zimmerman coming off the bench and getting a clutch hit. That was kind of what we've been waiting to see. This roster construction is finally kind of all shaking itself out and making making it look a lot better than it did at the beginning of the season. Yeah. And speaking of roster construction, we're getting some Facebook comments. Colin Everett wants me to talk about Baby Shark and uh, how he's been doing. I mean, part, part of that, I, it, you'd be a fool to say Gerardo Parra hasn't played at least some part in this. I mean, because the, the energy that he brings in the dugout in the clubhouse, obviously his first home run hit last night. Um, you, you don't have don't even look at Gerardo Parra. Look at the rest mm-hmm. of the Nationals team when they're all doing the baby shark with him. That is that shows how much Gerardo Parra has uh, of an impact on this team right now, and th- he plays solid defense. He gets up there. Uh, I think it was his first game. He you know his, he got a pinch hit double uh, the first day he was called up a couple Sundays ago. So he's played a big, pretty big role, and maybe just doing the same thing that he did in 2019, just kind of relaxing everyone and making them have fun again. And David Martinez has spoken highly of him as well. Right. I mean, you kind of feel a little bit silly talking about Gerardo Parra because he's definitely not the star of this team, but he really has this effect, especially at home. Those home games, Gerardo Parra is a completely different player, it seems like, but he's just this spark. I mean, from the the moment he got here back in 2019, I mean, we talked to Max Scherzer about it and he's like, I don't know what it is. But every team he's on, he just has this spark. And you see it. You look around Nats Park with the baby shark. You look in the dugout. He just brings this spark. And sometimes that's what a team needs to get things going and turn things around. And you can just see that uh, this lineup's kind of letting loose a little bit more. Uh, Obviously, it's easy to do that once you start hitting. Uh, But there's certainly, I'm certain that Gerardo Parra has a little bit of uh, role in that. Yeah, absolutely. We're also getting some other comments. Amy, uh, the, some people want us to answer questions. Um, Will and Purdy thinks Kyle Schwarber's going to hit a grand slam today. I, I certainly hope so. Uh, if Starling Castro is a free agent next year, do you give him three years and $12 million? I don't know about that. I, I, mean, I have to double check Starling Castro's age. I know he's not that old. He just seems like he's old because he's been playing for so long. But, <laughs> you know, it, it would depend on the future of if you think Carter Keeboom is finally ready. It would depend on the other th- free agent market um, at at, uh, at third base. Or do you move him back to second base and stuff like that? So it kind of depends. Um, that might be looking a little too far in the head. Um Amy, someone's Colin saying that you deserve a raise. Holy moly, that you're good at your job. So thanks, Colin. Tell, <laughs> we'll, I'll uh, screenshot that and send it into our boss and yeah. see what kind of response we get. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Starling Castro is 31, but so you know, and I'm 
31. So I was always a big Sterling Castro fan, but now after this year, he's really not doing necessarily the job we thought he was. Um, he's doing just fine hanging right in there, but well, I guess we'll have to see. And we'll have to see what kind of second half he plays. I think I might have jinxed Sterling Castro because I remember saying at some point, gosh, I think it was probably like mid-May, maybe late April because he was filling it. He, you know, remember the whole thing at the beginning of the season was they're moving him to third base and, and Carter Keebum wasn't going to be on the opening day roster and, and Starlin Castro was going to start the season at third base. And everyone was kind of questioning, you know, how good is his defense going to be over there? He has very limited time over there. He has some experience at shortstop, mostly second base. Um, how is he going to look defensively? And I think I remember saying that he's done really well. He don't, I don't think he right. committed any kind of error for like the first like month and a half of the season, but I feel like he's had a couple over the past couple of weeks. Nothing too detrimental, which is good. I mean, but still kind of showing that you know he's not an everyday or throughout the course of his career hasn't been an everyday third baseman. He's still kind of learning this position on the fly. Uh, so again, committing to him for three more years, depending where you right. want to put him. We don't really know how this roster is going to shake out. Right. It's kind of crazy. And then Carter Keyboom's a huge piece in it, obviously. We don't know who he will be with the Nationals, where he'll be, what position he'll be playing. So uh, it'll certainly be a piece in how that all shakes out. We're going to look a handful of uh, of trade questions, uh, a couple of about J.D. Davis. Um, Colin also is losing points here because he also said that they should trade Kyle Schwarber right now. Um, because his his value has never been higher, which that's true, but that doesn't mean you should trade him. It means you probably should keep him and maybe build around him and make a push at this thing. Yeah, if they were tanking, absolutely, yeah. this would be the time. If, but if Kyle was doing all this and they were still losing, yeah, maybe ship him maybe off. Maybe big. I mean, we're talking about Max Scherzer, yeah, Kyle Schwarber, everybody who's had a half a half decent first half, uh, but they're certainly not in that position right now to get rid of their best hitter. Right, but I was going to say, I mean, like. Have have the Nationals now, I mean, this might be still looking a little too far ahead. We're not even to the All-Star break yet, but how are the, are the Nationals now, do you think clearly out of the woods in terms of they're going to be buyers at the trade deadline or maybe at the very least stand pat as opposed to sellers? I think at the very least they'll stand pat. I think these next two weeks I before the All-Star break uh, will be an important stretch, and I think it'll prove what kind of team this is. Are they really as good as they played over the last few weeks. Uh, but I would imagine, I mean, you're only three games back in the division. You're right in it. You played the division leader really tough. There's no way that they're going to end up being sellers. I, I think at the very least, Dan Pat, right? Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree. I would think something terrible would have to happen between now and then for there to be sellers. And like we talked about a couple of weeks um, when this was kind of being first taught, uh, you know, being thrown around this idea of selling off and was like, there's a level of pride in the organization and with Mike Rizzo of not ever really being sellers and always trying to be buyers at the trade deadline and consistently remaining competitive. And it seems like they've dug their way out of that hole uh, for right now for this season. And they can probably avoid that conversation for the next couple of weeks. Cause I think it'll be pretty obvious that other teams uh, see them as, as buyers. And then we'll then, you know, formulate packages for, uh, you know, of, of trade prospects that they would want to come get. The other problem is, though, that the Nationals don't have too many prospects that they are, you know, eye-catching eye guys that you could offer up for an important guy. We're seeing a lot of comments about Trevor May. I don't know if the Nationals have the prospect package to put together to bring over a guy like Trevor May. We're maybe looking at another situation like we saw in 2019 where Josh uh, Mike Rizzo is going to have to make a lot of, you know, sub-tiered 
deals, you know, we're bring, he's not bringing in the best of the best. He's going to bring in, you know, tier two and tier three kind of guys uh, to patch up this roster. And sometimes you end up looking like a genius when you do it, but those are certainly uh, much harder deals to make, if you will, more complicated and uh, harder to handle. But it'll be interesting to see. And plus, you know, we talk about all these pitching injuries at the major league level. The minor league pitching is kind of beat up right now. There's a lot of injuries in the minors. So even if these guys were to get off to hot starts and, you know, up their trade value, you know, be able to put together a better package. All these guys are hurt and aren't pitching and, you know, they're a ton of their best prospects are pitchers. So that makes it even more difficult for Mike Rizzo. Yeah. I did see today though on the minor league pitching positive news that Aaron Barrett was reinstated from a a rehab pitching assignment and he's rejoining double a Harrisburg today. Uh, So hopefully, I mean, I'm not saying that, you know, Aaron Barrett's going to be the solution to all of this. But <laughs> if the Nationals need an emergency reliever to eat up some innings late, looks like Aaron Barrett, the Bear, is on his way back to being fully healthy and could be an option for them to call up uh, and uh, and pitch some meaningful innings. That's assuming, of course, that Daniel Hudson is not back anytime soon or Kyle Finnegan takes more than the 10 days needed to be on the, on the injured list. Um, hopefully not. But, you know, if needed, that's some positive news in terms of the pitching prospects in the minor league baseball. And I'll have to mention your guy, Amy, uh, Gabe, I always mess up his last name, Globositz. He was transferred from double A to triple A today. He's got an ERA under one in 15 games as a reliever. We talked about the big reliever uh, pitching mm-hmm. arm that he brings to the organization. He could be an opportunity maybe later in the season that the Nationals bring up. There we go. There we go. But certainly all the options that they have are a good question for you, Bobby. Yeah. Um, any of the, the the pressers or anything, have they talked about Fetty? I know what they said it's a mild oblique strain, but does it seem like it's going to be more than 10 days? Yeah, uh, I think it's so tough with the oblique. I'm pretty, Davey was asked about that yesterday afternoon in his pregame. He's actually talking probably, probably right now and have not seen any updates on Twitter of, of if he's been asked about that. I'm pretty sure there's just, he hasn't begun throwing yet. He did not throw a bullpen or anything. I think he was seen light tossing in the outfield. Um, uh, Daniel Hudson for sure was tossing. I think he was doing some long toss yesterday. I don't think Fetty has begun throwing the ball yet, which is not a great sign. Um, but I think Dave also said, you know, with, with an oblique, it's a very difficult injury, right? Uh, you know, you, you never know really how to completely fix it. Uh, there's no real treatment as as opposed to just rest resting it and hoping it gets better. Uh, I would be surprised if we saw Fetty before the All Star break. Honestly, we do have 13 days, so I guess theoretically within a week. Uh, but they're they're maybe going to want to do the same thing that we saw with him uh, when he had that COVID thing. You know, make sure he's fully healthy and get back. Uh, and they may have to make a rehab start somewhere just to make sure that he has the strength to go as deep into a game as they want. Well, and the good thing is, is you have Paulo Espino there, who has certainly earned his spot. I mean, we were excited when we saw him get his first win. We were excited when we saw him get his first save, but now he has his second win. And every time he goes out there, he's kind of lights out. So he's he's uh, earning his spot right there in this rotation, and he kind of takes the pressure off the Fetty timeline. Yeah, absolutely. Some real quick, uh, not so much breaking news, but I'm just seeing it come across the desk right now from our very own Mark Zuckerman. Steven Strasburg is throwing off a bullpen mound right at Na- right now at Nationals Park, the second time he's done that uh, since th- uh, during the second time uh, to the injured list. So that's a good sign. I would also assume that we don't see Strasburg before the All-Star break because at this point, why bother? Let's just 
give him healthy. You have that extra week of rest uh, and have him set for the second half of the season. But him throwing off a bullpen mound is a pretty good sign. I know he threw a bullpen the other day, about 25 pitches. Maybe we'll see him throw a couple more in the next couple of days. Yeah, that's going to be really important. Getting the, this pitching staff healthy and back in true form, especially down the stretch when they're trying to fight back, trying to win this division, it's going to be really important, especially for the Nationals. Yeah, and we, we saw what Steven did in the second half of 2019, right? He had an historic second half of the season, obviously setting himself up for uh, one of the best postseason performances we've ever seen in a World Series MVP not saying that's absolutely what you should expect from him, but it's something that he's done before. So it's, you know, it's not end of the world if Steven Strasburg doesn't come back before the All-Star break. If he's fully healthy for the second half, that's probably a good sign for the Nationals. Well, I think that's pretty much going to do it for this week's episode. We dove deep into Kyle Schwarber. Obviously, the Nationals have a tough schedule coming up, so a lot of good baseball coming your way over the next couple of weeks. Of course, you can catch it all on Masson or Masson 2. Over the next two days, I believe they're going to be on Masson 2 facing the Rays uh, at 7 o'clock and 4 o'clock tomorrow afternoon noon so be sure to tune in there with bob dan and justin uh great coverage all season long of course more coverage on massinsports.com mark as like i mentioned has breaking news up to the minute from from nationals park so give him a follow on twitter you can also give amy a follow at amy jennings news she has a lot of updates and neat packages coming up for you across the board on our social media platforms amy thank you so much for joining me see you later all right, that's going to do it for this week's episode of the Mass and All Access Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you missed any part of the episode, be sure to go back and check it out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or SoundCloud. You can also go back and rewatch the entire episode on our Mass and Nationals Facebook page, YouTube channel, or on Twitter. And you can also give me a follow on Twitter as well, at Bobby underscore Blanco. Uh, apologies for not putting out any recap pods over the past couple of weeks. Um, some scheduling conflicts arose. I wasn't able to put them up. Of course, with basically three uh, series coming to a close over the next couple of days, it's been kind of tough to put them up. Uh, hopefully, we'll be back at it over the next week or so. I am going away for a little bit of a brief vacation, like I mentioned this weekend. So hopefully, we'll be get at least one or two more recap pods up before the All-Star break. Also, be sure to tune into Mass and All Access's coverage. Amy and I will have coverage of the draft coming up in two weeks. The Nationals have the number one, uh, excuse me, number 11 overall pick in the first round. So we will have coverage of that coming up in two weeks on Mass and All Access and, of course, a podcast as well. So be sure to give us a follow on there. That's going to do it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Enjoy the game. Stay healthy. Stay safe. And we'll talk to you later.